This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. Talking travel now, Sally Lucas joining me, Jane Klein. And we're going to the Big Apple. Yes, the Big Apple as it's always been known. And I don't know whether people are, are aware of the origins of why it is called the Big Apple. Do tell. And it actually, um, it's a fame, well, it's a famous word as we know, but it comes from jazz musician slang for small towns, which they used to call little apples or even the sticks. But New York, because of it being, I suppose it grew bigger than the little towns they played in. So they decided it was going to be called the Big Apple as opposed to the Little Apples, and the name has stuck, and I guess it um, encapsulates it so well to the uh, today, isn't it, as Yes, well. it does. And I just thought we'd talk about New York this week because I'll, if you're a MasterChef um, watcher, of course it's been on the air all this week with them over there for their week in New York, cooking for United Nations and cooking in restaurants in Harlem and etc. So I thought it was relevant that we can just have a little chat about New York. And also it's the second largest city in the world. So Second largest. Mm. So that's quite amazing when you think about it. So it's got a population roughly of nearly 18 million Oh, that's about the size of Australia's population. Yes, not much, not much less. All in one city. That's right, all in one city. So the places to explore, now it is divided into areas, New York. It does have boroughs, as they call them, and it's made up of five distinct boroughs, which is Queens, Brooklyn, Bronx, Staten Island and Manhattan. And within these boundaries live about 7.2 million people. And of course, it's got quite an eclectic mix of races. I guess that's what makes New York, I suppose, a more exciting city than a lot of other cities because you've got Spanish, Irish, Italian, Chinese, Jewish, Russian, you know, as well as, of course, your, your Negro American and white American people. So um, that means that you can just about anything you want in America, culturally, musically, you've got it. And as I said, it is divided, of course, in, into other areas. And it's famous, of course, for the Statue of Liberty, which is in Manhattan, and Harlem, which they was talking about, I think, last night on MasterChef, where they had to cook in a famous kitchen, which apparently is famous worldwide, called Sylvia's Kitchen. And it was a soul food kitchen, and they had to go and cook soul food there last night. It was, was quite interesting. And this restaurant has been owned by the same family for generations, and you go there to get this. To me, it looked like typical Creole-style style soul food. So, yes, you've got that area. Then you've got the Bronx, of course. You've got Brooklyn, Central Park. When you think of the Ford thinking, of course, to have established such a huge park in that city before it got to the size it is today, which is a wonderful park. As we know, they've held fantastic concerts in, in, over the years, you know, Simon and Garfunkel, even the Stones, whatever. Massive park with, you know, fantastic outdoor facilities, of course, walking trails, of course, biking, you know, little um, ponds and water courses, etc. So you've got that there as well. Then you've still got a big Chinatown, like most cities of the world, large cities of the world have a, have a Chinatown, and it has that as well. You've got Greenwich Village, of course, um, as we said, Staten Island, and then of course you've got the Hamptons, which is famous for its, where all the wealthy people live. Um, you've got Ellis Island, um, of course the Hudson River, where you can wander along, and there's so much to do along the Hudson River as well. Um, then you've got um, Times Square, as was exposed this week as well, um, which has been famous for years, you know, for everything in around Times Square and then Broadway. Um, you've got Queens, Soho, another area called Tribeca, which is tucked on the, the west side of uh, Manhattan, um, Union Square, 
Upper East Side, Upper West Side. So there's so much to do in New York and there's a lot of museums, a lot of cultural activities. And going back to Harlem, I guess it was synonymous with jazz musicians. It was really a, a hub and they called it a, a Harlem Renaissance era, which started in the 1920s and 30s. And you had places like the Cotton Club and the Apollo Theatre, which is still there today. The Cotton Club is not. But this is where people like Duke Ellington and wonderful you know, performers started their careers in, in both jazz and even Michael Jackson and other people as well. So you've got lots of very interesting areas in New York, of course, to cover. And as I said, you're so close to doing so many other things and so many other cultures all blend in with all these different ethnicities. And you've got a, you know, a wide standard of accommodation. You've got a wide standard of eating. You've got top-range Michelin-rated restaurants or you've got these soul food kitchens, if you like, and the wonderful delis with their pastramis and, and so on and their bagels. And so, you know, it's a real eclectic mix, New York. It's always buzzy. It's always happening. Um, you know, it's, it's a city that sort of goes 24-7. Um, and you just, it's very different, I think, to any other American city. Um, and it's something that you could certainly immerse yourself in, you know, I reckon for a good week, but certainly I wouldn't go to New York for less than four or five days. You know, it really deserves that much time because as you can hear from just the brief outline I've tried to give you today, it does cover a huge area with a huge lot of diversity. So New York, keep it on your agenda if you haven't been there and it is a fabulous part of America to visit. To NURFM, it's 19 past one. We are talking travel, Sally Lucas and I. And we're not going to Venus though. I suppose one day, they say, <laughs> might with well space travel, we might we'll be doing that but we'll go to France firstly Jane and this is introducing people to a new French rail pass called France Rail Pass Premium. Now the normal France Rail Pass offers unlimited uh, access to about 31,000 kilometres of, of rail tracks within the French National Rail Network so you can virtually get a train as we all know to any corner of France from your big cities to the, to the ocean to small villages etc and of course there's such a huge range of the high speed um, trains there now as well and what they're doing with this France Rail Pass Premium, it's an upscale version of the actual Rail Pass and offering you extra benefits. So what it does, it gives you access to a private concierge who can assist you with all your wishes, even the most capricious apparently. The concierge will guide you and help you with the organisation of your stay in France, recommendations and bookings for you know fancy restaurants or a spa treatment or a luggage service, uh, personal shopping, um, something is... I don't know, outlandish as say a hot air balloon ride or anything you can think of. And there's a phone number you ring and get to get this service. And it's available in English, Chinese, Japanese, Russian, Spanish and Portuguese. So it's, uh, the prices on these are quite reasonable. It's not much more than what you would pay for a, a normal French rail pass. And an adult saver pass includes three days travel in one month. And that's how you you start off with. There are others available. Um, you just need to check these with your travel agent and they'll give you the details of all the different costings for the various durations and what you can purchase. So for someone who's feeling maybe a little bit uneasy about travelling on their own or not on a tour, I mean this is a, a gorgeous way of doing it where you can actually just ring someone up and get some personal advice about the next place you're going to stay at. They will recommend you know, hotels depending on your price budget, as I said restaurants etc, sightseeing, whatever. So just something new and uh, I think with rail in Europe now in general, of course, everyone is using rail rather than air and it will become that way, I think, very much so with all the high-speed trains being introduced in many countries now. It'll be more efficient and quicker to get you from A to B by train than it will be by air with all your security checks, etc., etc. So rail is definitely the way to go. 
Um, just a little bit of information. Um, United Continental has sent an announcement out to agencies today that they are going to charge passengers flying between Australia and the US and Canada a fee of US seventy dollars for a second checked bag. Now, people may recall that to the states we always used to have two free checked pieces of luggage. Now, this again is not. The same with all airlines. I wish they'd all standardise what they do with luggage. So you really need to check, um, you know, if you're wanting to take extra luggage and it's important that you take that extra luggage, you may wish to fly with another carrier or not. But just so long as you know that. So it comes into effect from any ticket bought today and for travel starting from the 15th of August. So US $70 for your second piece of luggage. So mm, that's, that's worth, definitely you know, worth knowing. It definitely is. Help in preparation. Definitely. Now, we have mentioned briefly before that Air New Zealand has been the first airline to introduce what they call an economy sky couch. And what it is, you, it's, it's sort of um, like a sofa bed, if you like. So your three economy seats fold down and you can then, as a couple, sleep in this sofa bed setup, and the Condnas travellers have they have awards every year for best airline and all that sort of thing. But this is their innovation and design awards. And this this bed, this airline bed, has got with their voting of all the people you know who who do vote on this have said that it's the best. And they're hoping that other carriers will introduce something similar in economy class because it keeps that cost down of people travelling in business class. So Air New Zealand is offering this option on the first ten outbound rows of the economy cabin. On the uh, new Boeing triple seven, op- which operates between Auckland and London via Los Angeles. So if you went from here to Auckland, uh, you won't get it on that leg. But then from Auckland, you know, all that that long leg is when you want it, of course. Yes. Um, so just keep that in mind if you're thinking of that. And it is obviously slightly more expensive than a normal economy fare, but certainly less than premium economy or business class. So just something to really keep in mind as well. So just keep those little things in thought when you're thinking of travelling. The French rail pass with the upgrade if you're wanting to do it to get all that wonderful advice as you travel through France to all those wonderful regions that we love. So is that advice available on the train or outside? Outside the train, yes. So if you arrive in a city and you'll have this toll-free number that you'll get with your little rail pass package and then you can ring and speak to this concierge service who will then answer your questions and and obviously give you advice about whatever it is that you need to know. So I think it's a great little service and it wouldn't hurt for it to be brought in in other areas, you know, where you might be lost, you've just arrived somewhere for the first time and a little bit unknown about what you want to do and even though you might have read up before you went, it's, it's often good to get that first-hand advice from someone within the country. So it certainly is. I think it is. I think it's actually a very good idea. So, yes, so that's one country that's starting on doing that, so let's hope maybe uh, more countries follow suit. Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thanks, Jane. And we'll talk travel again next Friday after the 1 o'clock news on 2NURFM.